Well, Happy New Year. Last time I stood here, we said we wish you a Merry Christmas, and we did. And now we do the second part and a Happy New Year. Today is my first opportunity to be with you in the new year. You know, many of us complain that we don't have enough time or space. Yet those are the only two things that are eternal, that we have, time and space, right? It's all we have. And so we need to make sure that the time and the opportunities that we have, we're taking full advantage of those things. You know that there are 60 seconds in every minute. And 60 minutes in every hour. 24 hours in a day. And throughout this year, there will be 365 days. This year is not only going to have 365 days, but it's going to have 8,760 hours. This year is going to have 525,600 minutes. This year, you've got 31,536,000 seconds. That's the year of 2023. We've already begun. We've used up some of that already. Interesting that God gives us a brand new opportunity. This is a year where we step fresh into this year. I love that. I think it's good for us. It's a good reminder that God is with us. It's not just the same old, same old, but we're beginning something new. If you were to take the average lifespan of about 70 years, some of you have got your, you know, your, 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 Sell by date, you've expired already, right? Yeah, but 70 years is sort of the average. And, and so somebody worked out, in 70 years, in 70 years, you would sleep 23 of those years, right? About 33%, eight hours a day, roughly, give or take a few. You would work in 70 years for 16 years. Some of you feel like it's been a lot longer than that, right? They tell me that in 70 years, you would watch TV for... Eight years. That was before the pandemic, because I'm sure a lot of you are watching a little more now than you used to. You would spend six years eating. That's the average. Some of us, we, we, we're better than that. Uh, you would spend two years out of the 70 dressing. I'm guessing this is for everybody, not just women, right? Dressing. Two years out of your 70. Average. And on the average, in 70 years, the average person would spend... Half a year, six months, or 0.7% towards religion or the things of God. Now, I know we're above average. Hallelujah. Talk to the person next to you and tell them they're above average. You're obviously above average, right? Tell the person on the other side you're above average as well. Okay? Uh, not just six months, but, but that's a bit scary, isn't it? We've all been given lots of time. We've been in 70 years uh, average that we can do our thing. I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on, on that, that opportunity pretty soon. And so we're going to make sure that we're going to use all the time that God gives us. We're going to read the scripture that I've prepared this morning. I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning. Wendy's going to come and read. This is my better half, Wendy. She's going to come. We're reading from Revelation chapter 3 this morning. Revelation chapter 3. Thanks, Wendy. Chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, 
These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Wendy. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. There's debate about where we fit in or how these churches fit into history or dispensations and who exactly they're talking to. But today I don't want to talk about all those issues. I just want us to focus on this message to the church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. When we say Philadelphia, now we think of the city of brotherly love, don't we? Phylos love, brotherly love, loving uh, people like yourself, your neighbor as yourself. Really, the Philadelphia church is a city of praise. It's a, it's a church that, that, that praises God. I was thinking about that as, as uh, Stephanie and the worship team were leading us this morning. We sang that in the second song, uh, that we're, we're, we're praising God, that we want to lift up His name. And, and, and we've done that this morning. And it's interesting that as, as, uh, as we're introduced to the, the, the church in Philadelphia, and as we hear the message to the church in Philadelphia, that we're told that it's coming directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the messages from Jesus through the book of Revelation, authored by John the Apostle, but it's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the risen Lord Jesus is introduced to us here as he speaks to the churches, the seven churches across Asia Minor, but specifically now the church in Philadelphia. And he introduces himself to us and he says, I am the one who is holy, who is true, and who holds the keys of David. That's the risen Lord Jesus. He's just giving us a little bit of his credentials before he tells us what he wants us to hear. He's holy. He's separated. He's set apart. That's what holy means. When we think of holiness, we think of, you know, pure and, and, all, and all of that. But really it means to be set apart. He's not like us. He's not uh, part of us. He's, he's, he's holy. And, and that's why the, the Lord says, be holy even as I am holy, separated to the things of God. Jesus says, I'm the one that's holy, but I'm also true. I'm also true, which confirms what he said when he was on earth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. All truth is in God. 
All truth is embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God who became flesh. We remember at Christmas time and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten Son of God. He's the one that is truth. All truth is in Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that the world rejects Jesus because it's rejecting truth. They want their truth. And all of the truth of the world, can I tell you very simply, is directly opposed to the truth of God. That's embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, I want you to know as I'm speaking to you, I'm not only holy, but I'm true. I'm true. We can think of truth in two ways. That it's truth as opposed to something that is false. Or we can think of truth as opposed to something that is unreal. And Jesus is saying, I am reality. All reality is found in Jesus Christ. So when he speaks to us, he's telling us from the basis, from the, from the truth that he is, not just that he has. He's saying, here's the truth I want you to understand. He's holy, he's true, but he also holds the keys of David, which to the Jewish people they understood who David's throne was established by God and that it would, uh, it would be established forever. And so when we talk about Jesus back at Christmas time from Isaiah chapter 7 and, ver and chapter 9, we talk about his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of his kingdom there shall be no end. And he will reign on the throne of David forever and forever. Hallelujah. We could almost sing the hallelujah chorus together again. He will reign forever and ever. So when Jesus says, I hold the keys of David, he is affirming to us that he is the one who is rightfully on the throne that's been established by God, and he's going to reign forever and forever. Hallelujah. That's who he is. A brief introduction, and then he goes on to tell us, the message that is to the church of Philadelphia. The message that I read to all the churches, including the church of Philadelphia, is a message that comes from the heart of God. It's for specific times or for specific uh, people, but it's the heart of God, which means we can open it up and we can receive it for ourselves as well. So when Jesus says, listen, I'm the one that opens, and what I open, nobody can shut. I've got the keys. I'm the ultimate authority. What I shut, no human person, no government, no, no regime can close because Jesus is ultimately in control. Hallelujah. And so he goes on, and in verse 10 he tells us, See, I have set before you an open door. I've set before you an open door. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about this passage, about an open door. Because as I look at what Jesus tells us here in this passage, I see that there are four things about the door, the open door that Jesus has put before Philadelphia, but that I believe he puts before each and every one of us individually, personally, but he also sets out before us as a congregation, as the people of God, as a church. Number one, he says, see, I've set before you. In other words, it's a door of progress. It's a door of progress, right? In order to get to the door that is before you, you've got to move forward. It's before you. It's got to, you've got to move forward. You've got to progress. You've got to move towards it and go through it. Nobody's forcing you to. Jesus doesn't say he's whipping us to. Jesus doesn't say he's going to pick us up and carry us on wings through the door. He says, I've set before you an open door. It's a door of progress. It's a door of progress. Now, last year... And every day that you've experienced in your life, you've done one of three things in terms of your direction. You've either progressed, 
which means you've gone ahead, you've advanced, you've, 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 you've started something new. In other words, there's something uh, that God has got for you. That's something that is uh, brand new that you've never experienced before, that you can experience now. And as you go through the door of progress, you see that you get better. You move forward. You can go ahead. Don't be afraid to shout me down. Don't be afraid to agree with me. I love it when people, some people, their way is saying amen. Some people, they put up their hands to let me know they're agreeing with me. Sometimes, and thank you already, not today, but you were, you've clapped a couple of times. What are you saying? You're saying, go ahead, pastor. I love to be in a church, glad that we are, where some people feel comfortable to say, go ahead, pastor. Go ahead. Preach. Come on. Go for it. Let it happen. We're with you. We're agreeing with you. Why? Because we're saying we want to progress. Part of progressing is going ahead. Going ahead. So when you say to me, go ahead, pastor, you're giving me opportunity and license to keep preaching the word of God, to keep going forward, progressing. And every day of your life, you have the opportunity to progress, to move ahead, to advance to get better, to start something new, to go ahead. That's what I want. That's what I believe the Lord is saying. I put before you a door of progress. But one of the other directions that you can move is not progressing, but you may digress. You may digress, which means that you get sidetracked. You get off the main subject. Have you ever talked to a few people like that? You're talking about the subject, and before long, they hit a tangent, and they're reminded about something, and they just carry on in the little direction, and then you have to say, sorry, sorry, you're digressing. Hopefully, they'll be the ones that say, oh, but sorry, I digress, right? Because they know they're down some rabbit hole, but come back to the main subject, right? It's easy to digress. It's easy to get off the main subject. It's easy to get sidetracked. Sometime in all of our past, we have digressed. We have allowed the things of politics to become the main subject. We've allowed things of the economy to become the main subject. We've allowed the things of the climate to become the main subject. We've allowed the things around us of this world, of the issues, of the problems, and there are many. We've digressed and we've made, made that the, uh, the, the, the focus of our discussion or of our work or of our lives. Instead of being focused on the things of God, we need to make sure that we're making the main thing the main thing. That we focus and we progress. Some of us digress in our lives, in our mental, in our discussion, in the things that we're doing, where we spend our money. We digress. Or the third thing that you can do, progress, digress, or you can. There's some good English people here. Hallelujah. You can regress. Regress means to go back, to return to an original or a previous state, to go back. You can regress. You can turn around and go the other way. Unfortunately, there are times in all of our lives when we have regressed. Sometimes there are people who have chosen that they're going to go back in their Lies, and especially maybe in their spiritual lives, they have not continued to progress and, and open up to the things of God, but they've gone back. I know some people from Stovall Pentecostal Church from years gone by. There's some people that I look for that I don't find because they've regressed. 
They've regressed. They aren't where they were. They've gone back to where they were before. They're not going forward, but they've gone back to some of the things. I pray with you that this will be a year when we won't regress, when we won't digress, but we will progress in the things of God, that we will go forward. Jesus says, listen, this is a door of progress. I've put before you, and it's an opportunity for us to progress, to move ahead. Why? Because I believe our God is a God of progress. The kingdom of God, my Bible tells me, is always advancing. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is growing brighter every day. The kingdom of God has got something better for you. You are coming to Jesus not just to get by, but you're coming to receive all of the good things that God has prepared for those that love him. He's got more for you. Can I tell you, in 2023, he's got more for you than you've ever experienced in your life. He's got more for you spiritually than you can imagine or think. There's things that God wants to pour out upon you and upon us that are the things that we need desperately. Why? Because he's a God of progress. I set before you. Can I tell you today, as we go into this new year, there is an open door, a door of progress that God has got before each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second thing I realize about this door is that not only is it a door of progress, but today's message, for those of you that are Sesame Street kids, is brought to you by the letter P. Is that okay? Where's Pastor Lori? Brought to you by the letter P. Hallelujah. Brought to you by the letter P. All of these things, it's easy to remember, okay? It's a door of progress. The second thing that you can have is not only a door of progress, but you can have a door of potential, a door of potential. Jesus says, see, I've set before you an open door. An open door speaks of potential, possibilities, opportunities. Jesus says, you know what? There's an open door here. There's something that you've never experienced. There's a whole new realm. There's something that God has got prepared for you that you don't know about yet. This is a new opportunity. Mother Teresa said, Make sure I say it right when I, when I commit, commit her to it. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We only have today. Let us begin. Hallelujah. It's potential. There's something new. You say, but yeah, but this is what's happened in my past, and this is my history, and these are all where I'm at. You know what? Jesus is saying there's an open door. There's opportunity for new. There's opportunity for better. There's opportunity for more. Not because we're selfish or because we're just so, so consumerish in ourselves, but because we want the more that God has got for us, that Jesus purchased for us, so we can be a blessing in the earth. Hallelujah. We're not just consuming on ourselves so that we will get fat physically or spiritually, but we're consuming so that we will allow the blessing of God to flow through us. There's an open door so that we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus in a desperate, dying world. That's what it's for. Jesus says... I've set before you a door of potential. There's something new. There's some opportunity. There's things that, that I want to give you that you can experience. You know, some of those things that God has got for us are about this world. There's an opportunity, an open door for a relationship. There's an opportunity for your job. There's opportunity for your family. There's opportunity for finances. There's opportunity for all of those things. But this morning, can I suggest to you as well that there is an open door of life 
in Jesus Christ that he's opened for us. There's an open door of opportunity, of potential, of possibility that Jesus puts before us today for this year that we can step through, that we can have life in Jesus. We want to see everybody in the world come to know Jesus. Amen? We don't want to see empty chairs in this building. We want to see this building full. Why? Because we want people to come to know Jesus. We experience the open door of life in Jesus. But there's something else for those of us that are already through the doors of this building. I believe that there's an open door of intimacy that Jesus wants to have with each and every one of us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him in all that he is, in the fellowship of his sufferings, in, in all of the glory that he comes to live out. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be intimate with him. There's an open door of opportunity for every single one of us, no matter where you are starting from, no matter how long you've been in the way, there's an opportunity for us to get closer to Jesus, spend more time with him, commune with him. That's why this week we're focusing on a week of prayer and with that, fasting and prayer. We're asking all of us, all of us, to take one meal a day and not just do it so that you'll get buff like I saw some people last week um, but you know that you, will, that you will get closer to Jesus that you're giving up something in this case food or a meal so that you can replace it with time with Jesus time with the Father time in His presence getting to know Him bringing yourself to him, letting him pour the Holy Spirit into you, letting him use you so that you can be a blessing as we pray for the things around the world. Fasting and prayer. So tonight, tonight, Hilda is starting back. She's the leader of our Sunday night prayer meeting. Every Sunday night, every Sunday night. I, I, I only came to one before they shut down for the Christmas season. I'm going to be here tonight. Hilda's leading it, but I'm going to be here as part of the prayers I'm going to be one of the ones that come. I want to come regularly. I don't to come every week. You say, well, Pastor, I can't come every week. Well, neither can I. It's okay. Some come every week. Hallelujah. If you can come every week, come every week. But if you can only come once every couple of weeks, every month, come. Come. Every Sunday night from 6 to 7, an hour. Man, it was a dynamite time when I was here that, uh, with, with, the, with the folks a couple of weeks back. It was awesome. So tonight, it starts back up. It's going to happen every Sunday night. Folks, you'll be blessed. Can I encourage you? Jesus is putting before us an open door of possibility of potential. Let's come together as the body of Christ and stand together and agree together in the name of Jesus for the things of, God, of the kingdom to happen where we are. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. But you know what? Wednesday night, we're going to have a prayer meeting here at 7 o'clock for an hour from 7 to 8. Normally in the midweek, folks are involved in in the home groups, right? But that doesn't start for another week. So this Wednesday night, we're going to be here. I'm going to meet with the prayer folks, all of the prayer folks, uh, after the service so that we can get the service organized. We're going to have an hour of prayer. I'm going to share just one little scripture at the beginning. We're probably sing one song, and then we're going to pray. Why? Because it's a prayer meeting. It's not a preaching meeting. It's not a singing meeting. It's going to be a prayer meeting, okay? And the folks of the church, you are going to pray. You're going to pray. We're going to agree with you. It's going to be a prayer meeting as we begin this year. It's a time for us to get 
closer to Jesus. It's a time for us to pour out our heart to the Lord. It's a time for us to, to, to plead with the Lord for our families and for our nation and for our, our, our homes and for our marriages. It's a time for us to bring our church before the Lord. That why, At the beginning of this year, let's take time. There's an open door. Jesus is saying, come. We want to come and we want to Hear what he wants for us. We want him to guide us and direct us as we prayed earlier in the service. So Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, come and be with us. Every Sunday night, the prayer team will be here. You're welcome to come. In fact, you know what? We probably should come. We probably should come. Pastor Stefan mentioned earlier about the Monday night football game. The Buffalo Bills were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. It was 7-3 about halfway through the first quarter when... Cincinnati was on offense, and the quarterback threw a pass, and the, one of the defensive backs from the Buffalo Bills tackled the man who had the ball. They both fell to the ground. DeMar Hamlin, the defensive back, he stood up and immediately collapsed. Immediately collapsed. By the time the medical staff came on, he was in full cardiac arrest. They had to resuscitate him. In other words, he was gone. They did that twice before the ambulance took him away. You saw it on the faces of the players if you watched on Monday night. I was watching. I was watching. You know the amazing thing? Is that when that ambulance drove off that field, the players and the staff and the coaches of both of those teams gathered on the field on their knees collectively and prayed. It was awesome. It was, it, it was terrible, but it was awesome. It was awesome. Pastor Stefan told you that even on uh, commentators, like one guy on ESPN, he prayed out loud. He, he prayed for him on air. <laughs> Can you imagine how politically correct that should be? Oh, my goodness. He prayed. And you know what? I've, all the comments I've read have been positive. I watched football last night. I know I should have been getting ready for the sermon, but, but it was pretty good by that time. So I, so I watched the second game. of a. There was two games of Saturday night, and there's going to be a lot today when I can't watch them. But, you know, uh, I watched the second one, and it was the Jackson, at, in Jacksonville, the Jaguars playing against the Tennessee Titans. And before the game started, the players and staff of both teams intermingled and made a circle on the field got down on their knees and prayed. Wow! Who would have ever thought it? Why? Because they believe that DeMar Hamlin, 24 years old, who's in the hospital, he was in a coma, had a breathing tube in, that God was the one that could intervene, that prayer changes things, that we need to pray and seek the face of God. Now, folks, I want to ask you, if we will do that over one young man across the football nation. How much more should the church of Jesus Christ get on their knees and pray and seek the face of God? Hallelujah. I want to thank the person who coincidentally gave me a Buffalo Bills sweater for Christmas, apparently. Isn't that awesome? Look at that. I'm part of the Bills Mafia, for those of you that know. Uh, right? Because this is our team, right? It's the closest we've got to Toronto. We'll never get one in Toronto. We, we're stuck with the Argos. You know, but they won the Grey Cup. How about that? Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbel you know? but so, so this reminds me what? That prayer 
is still possible, no matter what the woke or the left or the whoever or the governments or the politics or all that baloney says, that when it comes down to it, people believe that God hears our prayers. Hallelujah. So what I'm telling you today, folks, is we need to be a praying church. We need to be people that are on our face and on our knees before God. We need to be seeking the face of God. Thank God for that prayer team. Thank God for Hilda, who comes every Sunday night and prays for you and prays for the church. And we pray for the future and for what leadership is going to come. Thank God we have an opportunity on Wednesday night to come together and to pray. If the football players can do it, how much more should the church of Jesus Christ be doing it? Hallelujah. I might even wear my Buffalo Bills sweater. You see, it's an open door potential. There's potential to come and to be in the presence of Jesus. There's potential in prayer. We need to be a praying people. There's potential in reading the Word of God and spending time in His Word. There's potential in service. There's potential in fellowship, getting to know each other, being part of the men's breakfast. You know, if you serve breakfast, we will come. We, we will be there. We will be there. Well, that's men. And all the men said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll be there. Right? Fellowship together. That's all of those things. It's, it's, it's a door of potential that the Lord is opening to us. Let's avail ourselves of all of the good things that God has got in store for those that love him. But I carry on and I see that the third thing that, about a door is that it's also a door of protection. A door of protection. Jesus says in verse 10, he says, I'm going to keep you and protect you from the trial that is going to come into the world. He's talking about the end times. He's talking about uh, persecution. He's talking about um, tribulation. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. He's talking about that time. Who would have ever believed in our time that Christians would be hated, that the church would be hated, that we'd be forced not only to the sidelines, but forced into criminality, to being on the wrong side of the law. It's unbelievable. Jesus says, you know what? It doesn't matter what the world is doing in your day or in any day in the future. I am going to protect you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to protect you. That's what he says here. I'm going to keep you from that trial. I'm going to keep you in the midst of that. Just like Noah in the ark, when the flood and the, and the judgment came on the whole world, God kept them. So God keeps his people throughout the generations and throughout the, the years. He keeps them in every circumstance. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. The world's always doing something. It's always doing something. But in the midst of the something that the world is so involved in and engaged in, the church of Jesus Christ is not a canoe that's tippy and we're worried we're going to fall and, and capsize. We're like a battleship in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're going to go forward. Why? Because we've got the protection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. I'm going to protect you. The door that the Lord opens for us is a door of protection. Amen. He's going to look after us. He's going to look after us. It doesn't matter what the world or the devil brings. You read about it in the book. Right? You read about it in God's Word. Doesn't matter what comes. Jesus Christ is still king. He's still in control. And we as people are safe. Nothing can pluck us out of his hand. Hallelujah. It's a door of protection that he gives to us. But he also says one more thing, the fourth thing, is that it's a door of promise. Verse 11, he says, and I love this, he says, I'm coming soon. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, I've heard that ever since I was, ever since I 
cut my eye teeth on the front pew of the church. Well, you know what? He is coming soon. Hallelujah. His promise is sure. The door that he's opened for us is a door of promise. He is coming. This could be the year that, in fact, when I look around the world, the world is ready. All of the things I believe that the Word tells us have been accomplished. We're ready. Jesus could come at any moment. We live with the thought that the imminent return of Jesus could happen. Any moment the trumpet could sound. Before we pray tonight at the prayer meeting, Jesus could come. Before we come back to next week, Jesus could come. We as Christians have the promise of God that as we live our lives, as we go progressing, and as we're protected, and as we go into the potential that God's got for us, that He is coming to receive us to Himself. We're going to spend eternity in His presence. Hallelujah. We know that because He's promised it. And the promises of God are yes and amen to every one of us that believe. He's never given up on a promise. He's a promise-keeping God. Hallelujah. And if he says it, it's going to happen as it already has happened. Hallelujah. So the door that the Lord has opened for us is a promise-keeping door. Hallelujah. It's a door of promise. He's coming. He's coming. He's got it all under control. Nothing is going to happen that he hasn't already seen, he hasn't already experienced because he's not uh, held back by time or space like we are, but he's eternal, hallelujah. He knows the beginning from the end. God's got it all in his hands and in his palms. Praise God, hallelujah. So the encouragement that Jesus gives us today, and it's a good opportunity as we face a brand new year, 365 new pages, 365 new opportunities to be what God wants us to be and spend time with Him as we go through this year. See, I've set before you an open door. A door that when I open, nobody can shut because He's holding the keys. He's in authority. Hallelujah. A door of progress, a door of potential, a door of protection, and a door of promise. We're going to conclude our service in just a few moments. Maybe a few more than a few moments, but we're going to conclude our service with communion today. As you came in the door, you should have received one of these little communion sets, which is, which don't, we're not going to open it just yet because I just want to share a few more thoughts with you before we, we do. But as we come to communion, communion is a wonderful opportunity for us to make sure that we come back and focus our attention on the things that God has in store for us. We come back in our culture and in our environment, we have communion once a month. This is the beginning of January. This is the beginning of the new year. What a wonderful opportunity to start it by having communion. As we come to communion, as we come to face the open door of the year that the Lord has put before us, how are we going to enter that door? How are we going to go through it? Can I suggest to you today that there needs to be three things in our hearts and in our lives as we enter that door. Today's message is brought to you by the letter P. So the first thing that you need to have as you enter that door is purity. 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 We need to make sure that the sins and the burdens and the mistakes and all of the past whether it was yesterday or last year. That's the wonderful thing about a new year. That's the wonderful thing about communion at the beginning of a new year. We come and we let all of the sins of the past be in the past. 
1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of us have sinned. All of us think things, do things, have attitudes, actions where we sin. All of us. There's none righteous, no, not one. And so every month we're able to come, it needs to happen every day, but every month as a body we come together and we come and as we go through the communion process we're reminded by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, so before you take the bread and drink the cup, you need to examine yourself. You need to examine yourself. Examine your motives. Why am I doing this? Am I really trusting Jesus for my eternal life? Am I really fully committed to Jesus? And every time we examine our lives, we will see the sins and the things in our lives. Pastor Mulligan at Asian Court, where we were, used to say that as you travel down the road of life, you're going to pick up some of the dust of the world. And every month we need to come, and we need to not only shake off the dust, but we need to let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us and set us free from the things that we picked up in our journey through this world. We put all the baggage of the past in the past, and we let it go. We need to enter the door with purity. Now, can I just share my thoughts here? I can't be pure in myself simply because I'm disciplined, I'm strong, willed, I want to do it. We can't do it. We can't make ourselves holy and acceptable to God without sin. Jesus came because we couldn't pay the price for our sin. Jesus came, the spotless Lamb of God, was slain on Calvary's cross, let his blood be spilled so that the blood of Jesus would cleanse Dean Skinner and you from all of my unrighteousness, all of the sins of my past, all of the things so that every day when I, 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 I ask Jesus to wash me and to cleanse me as we do again at communion so that I'm set free and I'm pure. I'm holy in the sight of God. He sees me through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. He doesn't see me in my own strength because I'm so good and, and because I'm so, so perfect. He sees me perfect only in Jesus. Amen. That's why we need to come and be reminded that the only means of salvation is through the body represented by the bread and the blood represented by the juice of Jesus Christ. He cleanses us. He washes us. I need to come and ask for His cleansing on a, regular ba on a daily basis. But in communion, it's a good reminder for all of us so that I'll be pure. I need to enter that door pure. Purity is one of the things that we need to have as we enter the door. The second thing that we need to have as we enter the door is purpose. Purpose. We enter the door with purpose. In other words, not only purity, which is to be clean, but purpose, which is to be confident. We're going with purpose. We're not just aimlessly walking into this new year saying, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. We're saying, God, 
Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, we want your purposes, the kingdom purposes of God, to be in my life. We want the kingdom purposes of God to live through my life. We want as a church and as believers, we want the purpose of God, the purpose of the kingdom of God, to live through us, that we will be salt and light in this world. We're confident. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done the work of salvation. We have been restored into fellowship with God. We're his children, and now we're living purposefully. Hallelujah. We're living for the things of God. We're living, you know, Jesus has a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for all of our lives. He's got a purpose for us collectively. Hallelujah. And as we step in it, we need to step and say, I want your purpose. I don't want just the things that I do or I've done before. I want the purpose of God. And we can be confident. Why? Number one, because of God's presence. Hallelujah. He promises his presence. He promises he's going to be with us. He promises he will never leave us or forsake us. He promises that even two or three of us, when we gather together, he will be in the midst. And that when we ask Jesus to come, he comes into my life. He takes up residence on the throne of the heart of my life. He's my Lord and my Savior. Hallelujah. I've got his presence. I'm confident. Why? Because the presence of Jesus by the Holy Spirit resides within me. Hallelujah. What an opportunity. But we also have confidence because of the Lord's protection. We've talked about that already. And we read back in Isaiah chapter 41, Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not, not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by the, my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. That's the promise of God. He will protect us. He will be with us. He will never leave us. He will be our shield and protector. No weapon formed against me will prosper because I belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's protecting me he on the inside and on the outside. Hallelujah. I'm confident of the purpose of God because he's my protection. But I'm also confident because of his provision. Brought to you by the letter P. His provision. Hallelujah. Do you know what? God is still Jehovah Jireh. In 2023, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still a God that provides. He knows what I need. I pray every day, Lord, give me today my daily bread. Give me what I need. Give me all the things. I'm not worried about the economy or the stock market or, or whatever's going on in the world. He's my provision. Hallelujah. I'm confident in the purposes of God because God is my provision. Jehovah Jireh is my God. Hallelujah. That's what I'm believing for. So we go into this world with, in, through the door with passion, with, uh, no, sorry, with purity and with purpose, and number three, with passion. With passion. I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I kind of, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do with passion. Have you noticed that? Yeah. My dad taught me, listen, if you're going to do it, do it with all you've got. In fact, my dad died about two and a half years ago, 80 seven years old. It, he took on the slogan as his life motto, if you're going to do it, do it with gusto. That was my dad's word. Do it with gusto. Do it with passion. Do it with gusto. I said, Dad, you realize that that's a beer commercial, right? You know, it's probably going back a few years ago, but you know, if you're going to do it, do it with gusto. He didn't care whether it was beer or whatever. You know, he, he was going to take that because he was going to live his life with gusto. And can I tell you that when he died, he was living his life with gusto? When my mom, who's sitting on the front pew with my wife here, when we went together uh, and, and uh, we, we, we organized the headstone that, for my dad. My dad's name's there. My mom's name's there because 
Sometime, if Jesus doesn't come soon, she's probably going to be there as well. And at the bottom, at the bottom, we wrote, lives lived with passion and gusto. Not very spiritual, but you know what? That's what they did. Why? Because they've got a confidence in God. They lived their, boy, oh boy, you need to talk to them sometime. They lived their lives all over the world with passion and with gusto. They lived for Jesus Christ. I hope I'm very close when my dad's name gets called in heaven. I hope I'm there when Doris Skinner's name gets called because they lived their lives with passion and gusto. When I go through that door, can I encourage you to go with me? Let's go with passion. Let's go with everything we've got. Let's go with gusto. Let's give Jesus all of, all of our lives. Let's say, Lord, I'm holding back nothing. All to Jesus I surrender. Everything I am, I lay at your feet. I'm going with gusto, Jesus, because I'm going to live my life with passion. So as I come to communion, have you got your communion set ready there? I want you to take your communion set. Just take the top little plastic thing and rip it off, and you'll see there's a little wafer in there. Don't open the juice just yet. The ushers are helping us in case you don't have one. If you're watching at home, trust that you've got some bread and you've got something like juice that you can participate with us. Please do. I don't want you to take it and eat it just yet, but I want you to hold that wafer in your hand. Worship team, come. Will you, worship team? Worship team is going to lead us. We're going to sing. As they're singing, I want you to take some time in your own heart, in your own life. To just mix what I've been talking to you about this morning with your faith for your life. Jesus, I believe that you've opened a door for me this year. I believe that it's a door of progress. I'm going to step through that door of progress. I believe that it's a door of potential. That there are things that you've got. I want to realize those things. I want to live those things. I want to be a part of those things. I want to step through that door of protection. I want to step through that door of promise. I want to As they're singing, you don't need to sing. Sing if you want, but I would encourage you, take some time as they're singing to speak to the Lord Jesus. As you're singing or listening to them, I want you to say, Lord, before I eat this bread and before I drink this juice, I want you to wash me and cleanse me once again. Let me examine my life and all the things about my life, whether in my mind or in my attitudes, my actions, in the way that I live, the things that I've done. Let me examine my life. Let there be purity. Wash me again. Let there be purpose. Let me be confident in the things of God. Let me come with passion. Let me care. I want to be caring about the things of God as much as I'm caring about the things of the people around me. Would you do that? Would you hold the bread and the juice in your hand? Worship team, lead us. Sing for us, would you? Thanks for listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a great week.